Pastor Mike online. And here we are coming to you live from our top secret broadcasting bunker here at Area 52, high atop Bethel Church. This is the talk show Hell Hates. And the more you listen, the more you know why. You know that hell hates it because I I think Joe Biden listens to Pastor Mike online. I'm just a guess, but I think he does. Um, I, nobody's ever caught him doing it, but I think I think he takes his his uh, iPhone into the White House restroom and watches PMO. Anyway, good to be with you today. Um, my printer printed out a whole lot more paper than I wanted it to print. Um, I've got several stories here that I have collected uh, over the last few days uh, as an update to um, UAP, uh, the, the revelations that uh, apparently, the government isn't going to come out with uh, on UAPs, UFOs, OVNI. That's the Hispanic, or that's the Spanish word, OVNI. They call them OVNIs. It's, it's. I don't know the Spanish on it, but it's like um, uh, vehicle is the V part. Um, the, um, I don't know. Anyway, but I think the V is is whatever the Spanish word for vehicle is. I think that's in there. But basically, unknown um, vehicles flying flying around in the air. Uh, where was I going with that? Anyway, I'm trying to trying to rustle through all this paper here. I've got uh, articles that I've saved on Evernote. And I've got uh, an attachment or a, like, a, I don't know, some kind of uh, script on Google Chrome that strips out all the ads from an article and just gives me the text. It's all I want is the text. Um, but apparently this particular website, um, you don't get that option. It prints out every one of them. Um, so I can't. I can't get where I want to go. Let me read the let me read the uh, headline of one of these articles, and we'll try to find the text to the article. Iris scientist, Dr. Colm Kelleher. Now, let me explain very briefly who he is. If you have seen um, Jeremy Corbell's documentary that he made on the Skinwalker Ranch, which really uh, put the Skinwalker Ranch in the forefront, uh, in the limelight, as it were. Um, if you've seen that, then you've seen Colm Kelleher. He was one of the scientists that was hired by Robert Bigelow, who formed basically just for uh, the Skinwalker Ranch. He bought Skinwalker Ranch um, from the family that was freaked out living on it. Uh, this family, I'm telling you, this family, uh, I, I wish 
I wish I could reach people like that. Because I absolutely believe that true born-again believers, um, this, this paranormal stuff, I won't say it wouldn't happen. I'm saying that it would be difficult for devils to be in the presence of Jesus Christ for very long. If you study your Bible, which you should, let me put this, let me flip through this while I'm talking. If you study your Bible, which you should, you will note that even Satan himself, big bad dragon that he is, goes up to Jesus. Jesus is 40 days without food, probably without water. Um, he is lonely. He is hungry. His flesh is weak. And Satan comes to uh, entice him the same way that he worked on Eve. Uh, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That's what I love about my Savior is that he did what I could not do. I'm just being honest. Anybody that tells you that they are no longer tempted by sin... They're lying through their teeth. That's pride of life right there. They're trying to make you think that there's something that they're not. I just don't like people like that. Ah, found a page. Look at there. I'm going to read this. Uh, but anyway, uh, devils, uh, Satan, once he tempted Jesus three times in the wilderness and it didn't work, he left him. What did Jesus tell us about that? Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Or did Paul say that? Anyway, somebody said it. Somebody really important in the Bible said that. And, um, oh, I got found another page with writing on it. Uh, the devils, when Jesus came into town and Jesus would pass by somebody that was possessed, you would hear the devils say, Jesus, thou son of the most high God, what are we to do with thee? In other words, we, we weren't doing nothing. We weren't, we weren't bothering anybody. What do you come over here and pick on us for, man? Don't send us to the pit yet. It ain't time. We, okay. They could not handle the presence of Jesus Christ. Um, and I love that. I love that. I had, I'm, I wasn't going to say this. I haven't said it yet. Um, I had a dream last night, and I'm not going to say what it was. Uh, I think the dream, and I don't, don't worry, I don't, I don't go around saying, oh, I had a prophetic dream last night, and oh man, that God showed me this, and I'm going to reveal it to him. I don't, know. I don't do that. Um, but I do believe that. Um, spirits can inspire 
dreams that is made plain to us in the scripture in Job chapter 4. One of Job's uh, friends, Elihu, I believe is who it was, um, said that uh, he was in a dream and a spirit appeared to him. He couldn't see the form, the face of it, but he knew it was there and the hair stood up on the back of his head. And um, it, it, talk, it showed him some things, talked to him. And uh, the gist of the dream that I had had to do with uh, spiritual warfare. And um, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, it is not the first one that I've had uh, along those lines. But I, I believe there's without a doubt that if a, a born-again, Bible-believing, Bible-living, true son of the Most High God, uh, what am I going to do with all this paper, um, would not, um, or that's one story, they would not uh, have the problems that the family had at Skinwalker Ranch. Anyway, uh, back, meanwhile, back at the ranch, Calm Kelleher was one of the uh, NIDS scientists, National Institute for Discovery Science, I think is what it was. That's what Robert Bigelow formed, and he hired Calm Kelleher to be like the lead scientist on there. Um, I've seen the video. I've read the book that um, uh, Calm Kelleher wrote along with, uh, who was it? The, the reporter in, um, in uh, Las Vegas. I can, I can see his face. I can't pick, remember his name right off him. But anyway, they wrote a book about Skinwalker Ranch. And uh, they told a story that uh, they set up cameras. All you know, Robert Bigelow poured millions of dollars into this thing. They set up cameras all over the ranch. They set up infrared. They set up all kinds of detection devices and so on, sort of like what's going on now, only more, it's more high-tech now. And um, they, even, they even had times where they just sat out at night and just looked for something weird to happen. And they said almost without fail, when something happened, they would go and check the cameras and cameras wouldn't be working. That camera wouldn't be working. The other camera's working fine. The one camera that would have captured something paranormal taking place didn't work at that time. And then it came back on. This happened all the time. And it makes you, makes you think, okay, really? So you say something happened, but the camera shut off, right? But yeah, that, that happens all the time. Okay, yeah. But these guys, um, they said that one night they were, they were sitting, I think, over on the, um, uh, there's like a little plateau there that overlooks part of the ranch. They were sitting all night watching to see if maybe a UFO would show up or some sort of uh, uh, specter or, or ghost or anything of a paranormal nature. And, they, I mean, they had their cameras, they had infrared, they had night vision, they had all kinds of stuff. About, I don't remember, about 4 o'clock in the morning, something like that, they decided to call it quits, call it a night. Nothing happened. So they were 
had packed all their stuff up or something like that. They didn't have anything to capture this. And they said, all of a sudden, this orange light appeared down in the, in the valley there. And it, it widened out. And they could see. It, it reminded, when I was reading this, I pictured in my mind the roadrunner picking up the hole that Wiley Coyote just dug, picking it up with his beak and carrying it over and moving it someplace else. Okay? You've seen that, right? If you've watched the Roadrunner and, and the Coyote, you've seen holes get picked up and moved over. They can do that in Cartoon Land, and apparently they can do that on Skinwalker Ranch because this hole opened up. And they said they watched about a seven or eight foot tall, hairy, bipedal, humanoid creature crawl out of that hole, stand up, and start walking. And they're like, I got to, where's my, uh, where's my Bigfoot? I did some rearranging here. Anyway, um, they tracked it. I don't remember if it was right then or the next day, but the thing left tracks and they got down there and they tracked it from where the footprints first start and they followed it, walked in a straight line for, I don't know, let's say a mile or something like that. And then the footprints just stopped and then there was no footprints. It's like it just disappeared after it walked you know, 500 yards, 1,000 yards, whatever, it just disappeared. Something, who knows? Uh, so that's Calm Kelleher. Let me read this. Irish scientist Calm Kelleher with top secret clearance from U.S. government explains why, quote, we are not alone. Um, in 2017, New York Times published a series of articles exposing a hidden Pentagon program this is uh, a British newspaper because it's programmed with an M-E on the end of it. A programmy that investigated unidentified aerial phenomenon. An Irishman, Dr. Combe Kelleher, ran this, that secret operation. Over a Microsoft Teams chat from the Nevada desert, the OSAP, which was the father of ATIP. OSAP is Advanced Aerospace Weapon System Applications Program. I want you to listen to this again. Advanced aerospace up there. Weapon that are to that are to alert you right there. Now, this is not a fairy tale from the Brothers Grimm. It's not. This is not the National Enquirer, the Weekly World News, the Globe, these uh, newspaper, uh, checkout newspapers, tabloids. This is not that. OSAP has been known and reported on. The New York Times reported on it. So let me read this to you again, what OSAP means, advanced. That means beyond right now, aerospace, 
That means in the sky and then above the sky, space. Weapon. We know what weapon is. Weapon system, applications, program. Another way of saying this is breaking down a UFO that we have so we can figure out how to win the next war before our enemies do it with their UFOs. That's what that means. There is no or, or. It means that some people in the Pentagon who rank, I didn't say reek, I said rank, started a program to build weapons that would stop a potential threat from outer space. Uh, I can believe that. One verse comes to mind. Our weapons of warfare are not carnal. That's what I can, that's what I've got in my mind here as I, as I read this, what OSAP means. So let's say the Pentagon has a super secret special access program. And if you don't know about it, it's because they've just said that you don't need to know about it. And you can't know about it. Uh, but they are building weapons. I mean, it sounds like the Avengers movies, okay, where they use the Tesseract to build these weapons, you know, because we found out there were aliens. It's, that's, what, that's what is going on here. But anyway, uh, all SAP manager for the Defense Intelligence Agency, Dublin-born scientist Keller Harris, described what he believes are the profound nature of his work. He said, quote, the idea that humans are the only life form in the universe is no longer true, that there is another intelligence very close to planet Earth is a shattering experience to internalize, he said. And that is true. This was not taught at uh, Tempelog College. I don't know what that is. Maybe in Ireland. Suddenly you are faced with a reality that should not exist. There's that phrase, ontological shock. You make a shift psychologically, and you never go back. That is referred to as a paradigm shift. And what it means is, is that let's say that you don't believe in alligators. You, don't, you've, you hear people tell these wild stories of these uh, big fanged creatures that live in swamps, and they eat dogs and they eat children and they eat people that can't swim very good and they bite the legs off people and you're going oh, 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 oh yeah that's a good story that's a good one there <laughs> you made that up so they don't believe in alligators 
And then uh, they go on a, a, a vacation down to Florida, and they stay at a, at a uh, KOA camp called Alligator Point. We did that when I was uh, about 11, 12 years old. Uh, and uh, I met Mr. Alligator. Yeah. There had that, this, this camp had um, is an RV camp, RV park, and it had uh, two ponds in it, and it had this alligator that lived there. And why there were no warnings, over, I don't know, but a bunch of us kids, we saw this alligator in one of these ponds. And so we're, we're doing something intelligent. We're throwing rocks at it because that's what you do when you're 12 and you don't know any better. And I got too close to the edge of that pond and I slipped down the bank into the water up to my thighs. And here comes Mr. Alligator. And buddy, I booked it out of there. Ah! Scared me to death. <clears throat> but then, so you go to Alligator Point and then the kids come back and say, Dad, there's an alligator in that pond over there. Son, haven't I told you not to lie? And then you go over there and you see it. You just stare. Because you didn't believe in it. You thought this, was, this wasn't real. But now you see that it is. And so your whole world has changed. Everything that you thought you could handle, you can't handle this. You can't handle the truth. That's what he's talking about. And what is going to happen is a shift in everybody's paradigm. Somebody called me this morning and said that they were um, trying to talk to uh, their boss, I think, uh, about UFOs and so on. And their boss said, I just don't believe that stuff. And he said it really bothered him. And I said, I, don't let it bother you. I said, he's going to believe one day. He is. He's going to believe one of these days. And it's, it's going it, to be the same shift. I got to be careful with my words here. It's the same shift shift that happens when everybody finds out that they're going to hell. They don't believe in it. So in their mind, it doesn't exist. And we don't believe in hell. We don't believe in your uh, sky wizard God. I've heard people call God that. I feel sorry for them. I do, because God loves them enough that he sent his only begotten son to help them with their belief and to lead them to salvation and to righteousness, but they refuse it. They won't, they won't have anything to do with it, and that's a sad situation. Not believing in UFOs is one thing, but not believing in God and heaven and hell, that, that is the most serious thing that you will 
ever decide on in your life is the decision of where you're going to spend eternity. And simply by not making a decision, you've made your decision. You've chosen hell. You're going to roll the dice. And you're going to hope that out of a million possible outcomes, the one favorable outcome happens to you in that out of a million different things that could happen, something happens and you believe in God and you get to go to heaven. Okay, but you're, you're rolling a, a pretty big set of dice hoping that it all, hoping that you're right and hoping, well, there's no hope. I know I'm right. I know there's no God. I know the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Um, so let me show you a, a paradigm shift in, um, I'm going to have to fix my, um, let me go ahead and do this. And let me fix my cropping here. There's that and that. Let's scoot it over that way. And let's see, let me fix that. Do it right there. And now I hit this button. Look at that. Oh, it's covering my face. What? What's up with that? Man, I'm already small enough. Let's do that. There we go. Uh, right here is your is your shift. Okay. Um. Verse 8 of 2 Thessalonians 2, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth. And now, here's God offering. He's got this basket. And in this basket is a Bible and the faith in that basket to believe what you read in the Bible. That's what that means. They receive not the love of the truth. God offers them the truth, the Bible, the faith that they need to believe the Bible, and the desire, the love, to accept the Bible and accept God's gift of good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So God offers that to every body, and they don't want it. So God has to say, I hate to do this, but I'm going to have to turn you over to a reprobate mind. And then it says, um, they receive not, verse 10, they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them 
strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Ah, that's it right there. Their pleasure came from sin. They would rather have sin in their life than salvation. I mentioned before that I have an uncle had who never made it past 35 years old. He loved his sin, which was practically everything you could do wrong, except that he wasn't gay or anything like that. He wasn't sodomite. But he was an adulterer, a fornicator, child molester, drunkard, big-time drunkard. And his body riddled with disease. And he never, he didn't want anything else. He didn't want salvation, didn't want God, didn't want anybody to help him. He just, just died. Probably weighed less than 90 pounds. And uh, that's sad, but that's the world. That's who they are. Um, there's your paradigm shift right there. Now, let me go back to this. Um, he said, for people who have experienced this, something changes and it becomes extremely important. People who have come face to face with this are very engaged. People who haven't are on the sidelines. In general, there's a psychological form of denial because if you admit this into your reality, there's a whole slew of things that are not true. In other words, he's saying that if you finally admit that, yeah, I believe that this, these things exist and that there is an agenda with it and that agenda is in the Bible, for you to accept that, you're going to have to change some things that you said about what was in the Bible. Okay? And um, all I can say about me is God granted me an unmerited favor. I'm telling you, it was totally unmerited. And it was this it's a simple thing. I took what I was reading in the Bible to be literal to be literal. And let me, let me just explain that. Um, let's see here. Let me find a good place here. Uh, let's see here. I got a, I got a carton of King James here and I'm going to try to find, uh, let's see here. The right, where was I going with it? Oh, yeah, I'd be member now. Um, yeah, Ezekiel. Ezekiel. 
Um, let's go to Ezekiel. Yeah. No, it's not 28. Where is it? 38. Here we go. I'll put this on screen for you. Ezekiel 38. Uh, this is this is a future event. It's going to happen later. Gator. Uh, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog. Gog is a chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, the land of Magog. Uh, a chief prince is a principality. And the Greek word there is archon. It's where we get the word archangel from. Okay? Uh, or arch nemesis. Okay? So he is an archon, a chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. And prophesy against him and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws. And I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen. Now, this is supposed to be in the future. And at what point in the future are we, as a, as a civilization, going to stop building tanks and armored vehicles and go back to riding horses with men on them? When are we going to do that? What, what army would think that they could invade Israel with riders on horseback? Hamas did not invade Israel and take all these people hostage riding on horses. They have been firing fairly modern, sophisticated weapons, which require a response from Israel to respond with very sophisticated weapons. Something like 9 out of 10 Palestinian missiles never made it to their place that they were shot at, which is a pretty good aim. Because these things are going fast. The Israel has built an iron dome over its territory specifically because they knew one day this was going to happen. And they knew that when it did, they learned from the 1972 uh, Munich terrorist uh, plot where these Palestinian terrorists broke into, if you remember this, I vaguely remember it. I was 72, I would have been six years old, but I remember it. And uh, they, they broke into the Olympian village at night, and there was almost no security. The Germans didn't want to be seen 
with soldiers standing there with guns in their hands. And because German soldiers at that time still wore the helmets that they wore in World War II. And everybody is like, ah, the, look at them German soldiers. Ah. So they didn't want security people with guns. All their security teams had was walkie-talkies. So they, somebody breaks in and is going to you know, cause havoc in the Olympian village. They can walkie-talkie them, whatever. But anyway, they broke into it, found where the, um, the Jewish athletes were, the male Jewish athletes, killed one or two of them that night in the raid, kept the rest of them for hostage for the next 24-some-odd hours, beat them mercilessly, broke bones on them and everything like that. Then they got, to, uh, uh, they got vehicles to take them to the airport, and German police had set up a, a way that they were going to start firing on the terrorists, and it all went downhill, and every one of the, I think there was 11 hostages taken, and every one of them was killed. And three of the terrorists were being held in a, in a German prison for a couple of months afterward until some, some more Palestinian terrorists hijacked a uh, plane going from uh, Germany to Syria, I think, and why, uh, they said, we demand the release of those three uh, terrorists that you have. And it took Germany all of two hours to bring those terrorists out of the prison they were in and to the airport where they got a private jet to take them to Libya. And so Israel said, we can't depend on anybody to defend us anymore. We're going to have to do it ourselves. And I mean, they've developed programs. They said, we're going to shoot first and ask questions later. And that's, that's how they're doing it. But right here, you just don't attack Israel with horses. Then all of them clothed with all sorts of armor. They have bucklers and shields, all of, and they all have swords. They're hand, not just wearing them, they're handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya with them, and all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all his bands, the house of Togarma of, there it is, the north quarters. And all his bands and many people with thee, be thou prepared and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, be thou a guard unto them. And I just believe that. I don't look at it and say, now, I wonder what that would be in 21st century terms. I wonder what that would be. Maybe the swords are, represent uh, machine guns. Yeah, that's it. And somebody said bayonets. They don't put bayonets, to my knowledge, on um, military fully automatic guns, I don't believe they use bayonets anymore. Okay? So they're not even doing that. Bottom line is, they're not handling swords and spears. They're not riding horses. Okay? So there is no accurate 21st century equivalent 
to this language. What is the only alternative? The only alternative is, is that this language is spot on and that the weapons that Gog and his armies are handling are far superior. They are characterized as horses, and in probably in every way they are. And they are handling swords. And I don't know what that's going to look like, on it, but I promise you it's going to happen. If you, if you lived in a fourth-dimensional world, what would your spear look like? And what would you be able to do with it? Okay. Um, anyway, I'm going to move on from that. Um, David Grush, uh, I read an article by him, just a piece of it. David Grush is the one, he is the whistleblower. Uh, he is, uh, I think, former naval intelligence and uh, he's out blowing the whistle. He tried to get um, a bill passed in Congress that would allow for civilian oversight of uh, UFO reports and what the military is doing about all the UFO reports from the military. Possibly, possibly allowing some civilians to maybe see at least some of what's being done as far as um, do we actually have UFOs and so on. I do have, uh, I do have an article for that. Um, uh, I can't find it. There's that one. There's Kelleher, 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 Kelleher. Um, no, I thought I printed it out. Um, but anyway, you have you got another whistleblower. Maybe I can find it in my Evernotes. Another whistleblower uh, coming out saying that, um, yeah, here it is. Let me double-click that, and you, I'll be able to put it up on the screen. This is from the Daily Mail. Uh, online. Let's see here. Oh, there you go. Secrets of Area 51, metallic egg-shaped UFO the size of an SUV was kept at the highly classified Air Force Base in the 1980s. Now that was, the 1980s was the time frame that Bob Lazar, who was the original whistleblower of all whistleblowers, he worked, he didn't just work at Area 51. He worked at S-4. He actually saw that there were hangars built into the side of this mountain to disguise them. You could not tell there was a hangar there, airplane hangar. And these doors would open, and basically it looks like the, the side of the mountain's coming out. And inside these nine hangars were nine different shaped UFOs. He called the one he worked on the sport model because it seemed to be compact. And I guess, I don't know. But anyway, Lazar actually felt, touched, 
looked at, experimented on, got inside this UFO, this flying disc-shaped object about 30 feet in diameter, and he said it's the most surreal thing that you could ever do because here you are now looking at the absolute answer to the biggest question that there is in all of humanity is there's something besides us in this reality. There is something besides us on this planet. And he's looking at the evidence of it. And he's like, why aren't we telling the world about this? Well, we're not telling the world about it because, number one, like these people have said for years, it will tip over the world's largest apple cart. Apples will roll everywhere. Heads will roll. Religions will go crazy. Except mine. Because that's actually what I believe is going to happen. And so, you know what? I could be wrong. The biggest paradigm shift that I could ever hope for is to find out that none of this was true. And so, back to the Bible, Mike. Find out what is true. Okay? I could handle that. I could handle me misreading the text of Scripture and understanding it wrong. I can handle that because I more than likely do anyway. I just don't know that I do. But anyway, uh, back to the Secrets of Area 51. Metallic egg-shaped UFO the size of an SUV was kept in a highly classified Air Force base in the 1980s, whistleblower claims. Now, somebody will look at this and say, aha, aha, I got you on this one. That, that is a false, that's fake news right there. There were no SUVs in the 80s. <laughs> I got you on that one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's like there's a picture of, there's a picture of Adolf Hitler. Uh, holding an iPhone and aiming, it, it looks like he's aiming it at a mirror. And the caption says, this is a real photograph of Adolf Hitler that he took of himself using his iPhone. And the caption continues to say, we know it's not fake. We know it's not Photoshopped because there was no Photoshop when Adolf Hitler took this picture, okay? And some of you are going, I don't get it. I Never mind. I won't, I won't explain it. Uh, let's see here. Where's the, oh, yeah, this guy's here. Eric Tabor, a defense aerospace contractor for 13 years, told DailyMail.com of an egg-shaped, does anybody remember what, um, what vehicle brought Mork from Orc to the Earth? Does anybody remember? Remember that show, Mork and Mindy? What vehicle did Mork come out of? An egg. 
And there's been more than one uh, person with some intelligence say, you know what, that looks like something that we have seen in ancient symbolism. And it's called the Orphic Egg, O-R-P-H-I-C, Orphic, it's named after Orpheus. It's called the Orphic Egg, and it has a, a serpent surrounding it. And uh, it represents basically the cosmic egg and uh, basically what is an egg. It's not just something for breakfast. An egg is like the planet Earth. It has a shell around it and inside of it, at the heart of it, is this new life form that's going to be birthed. Basically, to me, it's an emblem of the Antichrist. The Antichrist right now is in the heart of the earth. Um, He will arise up out of the pit, out of the depths of the sea, the deep. And uh, to me, that Orphic egg is is what that represents. So um, if you remember, Lady Gaga uh, came to the... um, some kind of music awards program. And the story was they were being, she was being carried by, by four guys and she was inside this giant egg that she had built for this occasion. And her story was that she put herself in there several days earlier and was experiencing you know, all of these metaphysical experiences that, you know, kind of like an Indian sweat lodge or something like that. I'm trying to remember something from like 10 years ago. But she had these four big guys bring her in, like Levites carrying the Ark of the Covenant, inside this giant egg, and she comes out, and she she says, it, it felt like I was being born again. There you go. Uh, so uh, this this egg-shaped thing is not it's not as bizarre as it sounds. I think Crowley also knew the symbolism of the egg, the Orphic egg. But anyway, an egg-shaped metallic UFO kept at Area 51 in the 1980s. Tabor revealed the story. Uh, his late great uncle, Sam Urquhart, an Area 51 contractor, told him about a UFO at the mysterious desert base. Tabor and Urquhart are pictured together. This is an artist rendering of what that egg shape that now it's not it's not a big leap to go from this to a giant white 30 foot long tic tac. It's not. Um, anyway, x-rays couldn't penetrate it. It showed up on x-ray as a solid object. They tried to open it, penetrate its hull. They couldn't, Tabor said. Um, so anyway, lots of stories coming out. Uh, David Grush, I mentioned him a while ago and lost my, lost my track. Um, he tried to get that bill passed. It was shut down by... Not military intelligence. Well, it was. It was shot down not by Congressional Intelligence Committee, but by the intelligence community. Unelected intelligence officials 
have told Congress, we're not doing this. You're not doing it. Do you understand? And people, I I hope you can understand. If you remember a little bit of American civics class, I'm pretty sure that if you went through junior high school and high school, you were taught American government and how it works. We have a president, we have a Supreme Court, and we have uh, a bicameral Congress, a House of Representatives, and, and a Senate. And bills work their way up through the process. It's Congress and the president and the judges that share the power equally distributed among the three. There is not an allowance in our Constitution for unelected officials to have any power over anything. It doesn't exist in our Constitution. But these powerful men have, I don't know if they've got dirty pictures on these congressmen or if they've got a copy of some of their text messages that they don't want out or they've got pictures of of male congressmen in women's clothes or I don't know. But they've got some kind of power to be able to tell Congress members, you're not doing this, period. Don't ask us why, because we won't tell you why, and we don't have to. And when a committee of Congress gets told, uh, you can't have what we have, you can't see what we have, even though you have a security clearance, you cannot see this. That's... We, we've, lost, we've lost our government is when that happens. So David Grush, uh, I'm sure that he is inspiring others like this to come out and, and to say, hey, David Grush can do it. I can do it. I'm going to tell what I know. And I dare you to come after me. And some people are, are getting to the point where they're saying, you know what, I don't care what you do to me. I'm going to tell everybody what I know. And once you get that ball rolling, people, um, there's not a whole lot that can stop it. And maybe that's the design. Maybe that's why it's uh, supposed to work that way. Okay? Maybe that's the plan is this soft disclosure they keep talking about. Uh, where's another article? Uh, I'm not going to read that one. Um, I've got, uh, I'm going to go into this and then I'll, we'll call it a day. I, I've got pictures of a book that I found I don't remember if it was at Sam's Club or at Costco. But it was a children's book. And when I say children's, I mean very young, like five, six years old children's book. And I can tell you that it fulfills the prophecy of Deuteronomy 32 to the letter. Okay? 
Deuteronomy 32, Revelation 13, Revelation, not Revelation, Isaiah 13 and Isaiah 34. It, it qualifies as a fulfillment of, their, of those prophecies to the letter. I was gobsmacked as I'm going through this book. And, you know, books for five- and six-year-olds, they're big on pictures and little on words. So it's basically every page has a big, colorful, painted picture on it and maybe one or two short sentences that describe what's going on. And you're, you know, a five and six year old is looking for the pictures anyway, and they'll understand it by way of the pictures. And I saw this thing and I just, I could not, I'm like, I can't believe that they're just bold with this. But it fulfills Deuteronomy 32, Isaiah 13, Isaiah 34 to the letter, to the letter. I will, I will, I will show you that on Thor's day. Okay. Uh, let me let me do this. Um, I watched a documentary a couple of weeks ago um, on the UFO phenomenon. It was done by uh, some some guys that claim to be Christian. I, I wouldn't judge them. Um, I know I know one of the people that they interviewed on this uh, on this video on this documentary. Um, I've met him several times. Um, he's interviewed me uh, on more than one occasion. And uh, so I, I think down deep inside, he, these are good guys. I think they have good intentions. Um, do they hold to the King James? Probably not. So you pray for them, okay? But anyway, they... Um, they made mention of this um, occult organization that is UFO-based. In other words, it's a, like a religious organization that stems from the UFO phenomenon. Now, if I could, if I could. With those of you who still, you know, the UFO thing just doesn't reach you and you're like, Mike, uh, you know, I love you, but you got to get off this thing because it's not biblical. It's, it doesn't. Let me just let me just try this one. OK. Um, understand that when I and I mentioned this the other night in church, when I when I say alien I mean angel okay evil angel and there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that that's what we're dealing with so all you need to do is change your picture of what a devil looks like or what you think one looks like okay um uh, 
quit buying cans of deviled ham, okay, or whatever, um, or or don't don't rent Red Devil stuff or whatever, it's, you know, don't play for the Red Devils. That was my dad's uh, high school team was the Jacksonville Red Devils. Um, not all the Devils are wearing red jumpsuits with, you know, arrows arrows for tails and pitchforks in their hand and horns. Not all of them. <laughs> I don't know of any of them that does, to be honest with you. Uh, but they do look like various things that we can see represented in the Bible. We know horses are spirits. Horses are spirits. And when people come up to me and say, hey, Pastor, you're wrong about my dog. My dog's going to heaven. And the, the Bible says so. No, no, it doesn't. Well, there's animals in heaven. How do you think they got there? Well, God made it. They're angels. The four horses that you see in Revelation 6 are the four horses that you see in, what, Zechariah 6, where they they come out, one's red, one's black, one's white, one's, um, um, what was the, I can't think of, I think, can't think of the term, but it was like spotted. And um, they come out and the, the, uh, the prophet says, what are these? And the angel said, these are the four spirits that go over the earth. Horses were spirits. God made them that way. The four cherub that were the, the chariot of God in Ezekiel 1, one was an ox, one was a lion, one was an eagle, one had the face of a man. They had a humanoid body, but they had four faces on each one. They had two feet. They were like calves' feet. So they had this odd appearance, but they were angels. The wheels, the wheels were alive because the wheels had the spirit of the living creatures in them. And I just read, um, there's a lady by the name of Kathleen Martin. I got to get to this. But anyway, she, she was Betty Hill's niece. And she's made a name for herself by being a UFO investigator and linked in with MUFON. And she's written a few books. And I I spoke to her last year in, um, or let's see, the year before last when we were in, um, no, it was last year when we were in Denver, Colorado. And I got a couple of her books. And I'm reading one now. And the, her co-author, uh, she was abducted. Her and her husband were uh, driving uh, to some place out in Arizona. It's a, it's a place that they had been to numerous times. They knew exactly how long it took to get there. I, I can't remember the whole story, but all of a sudden they had this missing time. When she does a regression of them, she describes the, the, uh, the, the vehicle that picked them up. And it had like a diamond-shaped bottom. It looked like an hourglass is what it did. It looked like an hourglass. And in the middle was, I can't, can't remember how she described it, but she was told by the aliens that the center of this UFO wrapped around the middle of what would have been the, the, uh, the um, hourglass and that it was a living organism. It was alive. 
And that's how the vehicle moved from place to place. They said, we can move to practically anywhere that we want to because this living thing has the ability to take us there. Well, guess what? That showed up in a, in a uh, breakaway series of the Star Trek universe called Star Trek Discovery. And the Discovery has um, what's called a spore drive. They've discovered some sort of space spores, like mushrooms or something like that, that uh, have the entire universe mapped out between them. And somehow, someway, the Discovery Star Trek space machine uses that network to jump from one place in the universe to another place in the universe in a matter of a second. And they're using this living... In fact... The human on board, who is a homosexual in the show and out of the show, he becomes the conduit by which the uh, the, the Discovery space vehicle um, can connect with the spores and access this network and then be able to go from here to there in a second. He gets in this pod. He sticks his arms out. He's got implants there. Two little things insert into his, into his arms, and he becomes the one who connects to the spores and says, we want to go over here, and boom, they go. Science fiction? Nah. Now, because that's exactly what you see in Ezekiel 1. Is that the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. And wherever the chariot went, the wheels took them there. How does a chariot go from A to B? The wheels take them there. And so this alien is telling this woman, this center part of this machine is a living organism. And it's the one that takes us anywhere in the universe we want to go. And I'm like, in this book, the two ladies, Kathleen Martin and the other lady that she uh, has been abducted and so on. Let's see here. Um They're saying that all of the people that they have interviewed who claim to be abducted, number one, again, every one of them, male and female, they're collecting seed and they're collecting eggs. Then, the women usually are told that they're going to be have something put in their womb, but they're not going to carry it very long. They're just going to put it in there like to get it started, and then we'll take it out and we'll incubate it here. 
And basically what it is is a hybrid of them and humans. Again, it, Whitley Streber talked about it. It happened to Betty and Barney Hill. Uh, Dr. Um, um, oh, I can't think of his name. John Mack. John Mack, the Harvard psychiatrist. 50 patients that he interviewed. All of them said, yeah, they're doing experiments, a, hybridiz hybrid, a hybridization experiment between them and humans. Every one of them said this. And here's what gets me. The people that Kathleen Martin interviewed who have been abducted by aliens, number one, many of these people now have psychic abilities. Now, you ask me what psychic abilities are? I think I'll tell you. And I think God knows this. And I think God doesn't want anybody doing this because he knows what it really is going on. You don't have the ability to pick up your laser sword with your brain. You don't have that ability. You will never have that ability. What's happening is a spirit, a familiar spirit, is picking up your laser sword and bringing it to you. You don't have the ability to read a book simply by placing your hand on it. A familiar spirit is telling you what's in that book. You don't have the ability to predict the future. A familiar spirit is telling you something that he or she himself is going to do in three days' time. That's how come they know about it, because they're going to do it. In other words, I'm telling you that psychic powers are nothing more than devils playing tricks. That's why God said, don't, don't mess with them. But he, she said, you've got people all of a sudden with psychic powers. They're predicting the future. They're healing people. Hey, we already know the devil has power over the human body. We already know that. That's a no-brainer. And so some person says, oh, let me lay hands on you. And they go and they close their eyes. and They call on the spirits. And there's electricity coming out of their hands. And the people feel warmth and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, this crippled kid can walk. And mommy's crying and daddy's crying. And the boy's running around, you know. And they're going, oh, you've got power. It's a setup. But then she also said that, uh, and this is, this, is, this is what I want you to hear. Here's the connection. Kathleen Martin Betty Hill's niece said that often once people start having abduction encounters with these aliens, what am I saying? Angels, devils. She said from that day forward, they often have encounters with spirits. And she said the word 
spirits. You have encounters with spirits. That's enough for me right there to know that what I believe and what I can see in the scriptures and what I have been telling people, that's what they are. One group of devils initiates the contact, does the abduction, does the hybridization thing or whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like it's like they uh they put a GPS on somebody and, and announce to the to the spirit world, hey, we got some new we got some new ones over here. Go go mess with them. Go go knock their go knock their plates off the table. Okay? Go this this happened at the Skinwalker Ranch. Uh go put all the groceries that she put away back in the bags. That'll get her, because that actually happened. It's getting, now, let me read this. Um, yeah, I got a few minutes. This religion called um, Ashtar, it's the name given to an extraterrestrial being or group of beings that a number of people claim to have channeled. You know what channeling is? It's divination. It is being in contact with a familiar spirit. That's what it is expressly what God forbids in the scriptures. UFO contactee George Van Tassel was the first to claim to receive an Ashtar message in 1952. Since then, experiences involving Ashtar have been claimed to occur in many contexts. Well, of course, Ashtar or this group of devils, is making this happen. The Ashtar movement is studied by academics as a prominent form of UFO religion, and there's more than one. Can you not see? When I say the word Ashtar, doesn't that ring a little King James bell in your head? That's in the Bible. Only her name is Ashtaroth, and she's a goddess, and she is with Baal, Baal and Ashtaroth. It's almost like the, the sacred marriage thing. He's the sun god, she's the goddess, earth goddess, fertility goddess. Uh, Brenda Densler observes that, quote, in the long run, probably the most important person for the propagation and perpetuation of the contactee movement was George Van Tassel. In 1947, Van Tassel moved to Giant Rock near Landers in the Mojave Desert, California. M-O-J-A-V-E. Don't tell me that's got an H in it. It doesn't. Where he established a large UFO center. This became the most successful and well-known UFO meeting center of the time. As one of the founding, quote, fathers of the modern religious UFO, UFOlogies, Van Tassel also created arguably the most prominent UFO group established in the United States in the late night. This is an article on Wikipedia. You can find it. Um, the, they called it the Ministry of Universal Wisdom, begun in 1953, which evolved out of two previous groups he had organized at Giant Rock in the late 40s. 
The, the organization investigated and encouraged the healing arts, but its prime focus was to collect and analyze UFO phenomena and interview contactees. See, they're called contactees. Why? Because a spirit contacted them, a devil, a familiar spirit contacted them. Or, so they call um, people that have been abducted now. They don't like the term abducted because that makes the, the, uh, the devils and the angels and the aliens out to be criminals because they have, they're men stealers. That's the Bible term. They're men stealers. They've stolen people from their home, from their family, from their car, stolen children. Most, most abductees who find out as an adult that they had missing time, when they get regression, they find out this has been going on since they were five. Um. The series I did on, um, boy, I can't remember anybody's name today. What's my name? Um, anyway, she was a Pentecostal lady. Um, she, at about 11 or 12 years old, she remembers she had uh, met a couple of gray aliens. And they abducted her. And took her on the ship, but they discovered that she had not reached adolescence yet. In other words, she had not become, quote-unquote, a woman. Y'all know what I mean. And um, so they, they, she heard them comment about her. They were talking to each other, and she heard them in her mind say, she's not ready yet. We'll give her another year. And so they took her back home. They didn't, they didn't mess with her for a year. And then finally, when she became a woman, um, that's, that's when they started this long-term process. And they built her up to be some whirlwind prophet or prophetess that was going to announce to the world that um, these angels are there. They're being sent by God. Don't worry about them. They have chosen me to be their spokesman. And I'm telling you, these are peace-loving um, devils. No, they're peace-loving uh, people from this other world. And they're here to help us. They're sent by God. She, she keeps reiterating that over and over and over again, that she believes that God sends these gray aliens and these dragons, these reptilians, and, and these uh, serpent people, and uh, generally, catch this now, a lot of people are remembering that there's a hierarchy in most of these ships, and it's usually not uh, just all grays. That grays seem like to be on the bottom rung here. They're the little soldier guys. And that usually when you have taller grays, they're like a scientist or a doctor of some kind. But the chief of all of them, get ready for this. The chief of all of them is usually some 
form of a seven to eight foot tall robed praying mantis. Now, go look on the internet at a praying mantis head and ask yourself, doesn't that kind of fit? Because it does. And let me read this as we close out the day. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. This, uh, Hear this, ye old men, and give ear, all ye inhabitants. Um, let's see here. Of the land, hath this been in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Tell ye your children of it. And let your children tell their children and their children another generation. Four generations. That which the palmer worm hath left hath the locust eaten. And that which the locust hath left hath the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left hath the caterpillar eaten. Now, um, awake ye drunkards, weep and howl, and all ye drinkers of wine because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. The new wine is the Word of God. It's the Spirit of God. doesn't make you drunk. God is saying here, I'm I'm, I'm cutting you off from having access to the Word of God. That's your punishment. That's, That's my judgment on you. Because you wouldn't live right. You'd rather have your drunken wine and have a drunken spirit in you and not know the way of truth. That it's a straight way and drunks can't walk straight line. That's one of the common simple tests that every police department trains their traffic guys on is the ability to lead someone through a field sobriety test by getting them to walk a straight line heel to toe. Drunks can never do it. Never. Ever. And it's the same way in the spiritual world. If you are spiritual drunk, the Bible is not a straight line to you. It's crooked. It can go this way or that way. And, but you think, and I, I, I watch a lot of like cop body cam videos and stuff like that. And these drunks, you can tell they're drunk because they get, they get explained to them a hundred times why they're being arrested. And they're going, but why? But why? You didn't walk a straight line. Yeah, I did. Why am I being arrested? And they never, they, they cannot understand. They cannot comprehend anything. And that's, that's got to be like 90% of the church people in America. They don't comprehend anything except give me a party every Sunday and we'll come back. Um, but the, what I was getting to was this idea of a, of a, of a, um, what was I trying to say? A praying mantis 
being a, being like an evil angel. Hey, it's not it's not out of the scripture. I mean, it's not departing from scriptural truth. Here you have four types that tells you right there that's the spiritual realm. You have four types there of worms that eat and destroy the canker worm, the palmer worm, the locust. What we have in Revelation 9 coming up out of the pit. Locusts with scorpion tails. These are called in the in the UFO terminology, these are the insectoids. I thought I thought I heard something like that on a Sid and Marty Croft TV show from the Saturday morning in the 70s, okay? The insectoids, the reptilioids, and the dragonoids, <laughs> and the grayoids, or whatever. Uh, but people, it's real. It's real. And here it is. The Bible's telling you of what is coming. I would, I would take the Bible for what it says. I would believe it in its most literal form and then see if the facts don't fit because they will. Once you accept that the Bible is written not, not just for people 2,000 years ago, but for us right here in this time, this old Bible was written for us. Paul said so. Unto whom the ends of the world are come. All right, I got to go. I love you. You're the reason why we do what we do. Um, you have a blessed day. And um, where do you see the dragons on Thursday? Anyway, y'all take care. Have a good week. Don't forget to uh, love people. Don't forget to pray for people. Don't forget to be nice to people, even people that you might be enemies with. Uh, don't, don't forget to, to love people the way Christ loved people. Okay? It, it, won't, it, it, won't, it won't make you compromise anything. It won't. You can still remain a solid, Bible-believing, King James, Bible-thumping, fundamentalist, you can still be that and love people, okay? Do it. It, it, it just feels better, all right? 